Hello, welcome back to Labor for Truth. Um, today we're going to be talking about the legitimate role of the government, in particular what the only the role the government actually has, and anything outside of this is illegitimate. So um, this is really the heart of the libertarian argument, and in particular the minarchist argument. So um, quote from um, a book called Free to Choose, a personal statement. It's written by Milton Friedman, which is a very popular um, conservative economist, and he wrote it basically based on a PBS series, and I remember watching it, and it was awesome. We went through a lot of different stuff that I really liked. So, but in the beginning, he's kind of defining things, and so he brings in the father of modern economics, which is Adam Smith. And so, he, Adam Smith brings in three different reasons that the government exists. The main two, or the first two are the main ones, and that's the main ones I want to talk about today. The third one is more complex, and it would take a while to try and kind of unpack it, especially because in the book, like, once he quotes him, then he kind of goes into talking about the third one, and then he also brings up a fourth one that he thinks should be in. So we'll bring that in like another day, but I just want to focus on like the core essentials. Um, all right. So quote, according, this is Adam Smith, according to the system of natural liberty, the sovereign has three duties to attend to three duties of great importance indeed, but plain and intelligible to common understandings. First, the duty of protecting the society from the violence and invasion of other independent societies. So basically protect um, from foreign invaders. Uh, secondly, the duty of protecting as far as possible every member of the society from the injustice or oppression of every other member of it, or the duty of establishing an exact administration of justice. And I'll go ahead and read the third one just so you can hear it, but we're not going to talk about it today. The duty, third, thirdly, the duty of erecting and maintaining certain public works and certain public institutions, which it can never be for the interest of any individual or small number of individuals to erect and maintain, because the profit can never repay the expense to any individual or small number of individuals, though it may frequently do much more than repay it to a great society. So the third one is tricky because, you know, gives license potentially, but we'll talk about that another day. So The first two are pretty much the same thing um, in principle. Like, both of them are like, yeah, uh, stop people from coming in. You know, stop people from hurting you, whether it be uh, stop people from hurting you, you know, outside the country or inside the country. And so before I talk about it more, I want to I want to read Romans 13 just because you have it fresh in your mind. <clears throat> Romans 13, verse 1. Every person is to be... In subjection to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God, and those which exist are established by God. Therefore, whoever resists authority has opposed the ordinance of God, and they who uh, have opposed will receive condemnation upon themselves. For rulers are not a cause of fear for good behavior, but for evil. Do you want to have no fear of authority? Do what is good, and you will have praise from the same, for it is a minister of God to you for good. 
But if you do what is evil, be afraid, for it does not bear the sword for nothing. For it is a minister of God, an avenger who brings wrath on the one who practices evil. Therefore, it is necessary to be in subjection, not because of wrath, but also for conscience, conscience sake. For because of this you also pay taxes, for rulers are servants of God, devoting themselves to this very thing. Render to all what is due them, tax to whom tax is due, custom whom custom is due, fear to whom fear, honor to whom honor. Owe nothing to anyone except to love one another. So now it switches. So this is a responsibility. So before we have kind of the, like theology of the government and then responsibility. Owe nothing to anyone, verse 8, except to love one another. For he who loves his neighbor has fulfilled the law. For this you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not covet. And if there is any other commandment, it is summed up in this saying, You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no wrong to a neighbor, therefore love is a fulfillment of the law. Do this, knowing the time, that it is already the hour for you to awaken from sleep, for now salvation is nearer to us than we when we believed. Quote, um, throughout the 1800s, America was very isolationist, which basically means that we tried not to get involved in any wars. And, um, you know, so there was very little military spending when it came to foreign affairs. And then domestically, there was very little regulation, both of commerce and people's personal morality. Um, and so I remember, uh, I was like, yeah, the 1800s were the freest time. Um, at least on a general scale of the economy, the biggest blemish was obviously, um, you know, slavery, you know, women's, the women's, women's rights, kids, you know, so outside of basically, um, the different party suffrages, um, you had people being free to live their life. Uh, you know, they were able to do commerce. They were able to, you know, do immoral things and not be criminal um, you know, they were, they weren't being taxed at a super heavy rate. And, you know, through that time, you had a lot of things being established, colleges, universities, a lot of the people who were the richest in that time, John D. Rockefeller, uh, Andrew Carnegie and, uh, Chase, uh, the guy who formed Chase, what was his name right now? Um, they all were, you know, obviously super rich and they just started giving a ton of their money away. And they built institutions like the library, um, you know, the universities and all that. <clears throat> and so um, that's important to understand is that, you know, there's, there's a lot of arguments basically about how the government, when they come in, they basically are going to screw things up. They are going to mess it up. They're going to try and do it. They're going to have good intentions, but the results are going to be messed up. And so, you know, that's why both, you know, economists and, you know, the Bible are very minimalistic on the role of the government. Um, I want to read this quote just because it reminded me of it. Uh, this is like I have a bookmark of it. It's a, actually a Milton Friedman quote. He says, one of the great mistakes is to judge policies and programs by their intentions rather than their results. So <clears throat> many people will be taken back, you know, by all these policies because the people who create them you know, sound really appealing. Um, but they don't look at the results and there's a lot of, you know, data on the 
the terrible results of a lot of different policies. Um, so, but going into Romans 13, what we have here is, you know, in the beginning part, we do have the government being legitimate and we do have it being established by God. And, um, you know, this is one of the biggest beefs that a Christian minarchist have, which minarchist is those who believe in government, but they believe like a minimal minarchist, minimal, min, the min part, minimalistic government as possible, you know, basically like the 1800s in America, where it's just like super little regulation, super little taxation, obviously, you know, gain more human rights. So now we have the human rights. So now it's push it back down, right? That's the ideal world, you know, because people are freest, financially and personally to pursue their own happiness in whatever way they see fit without being coerced by the government. So, um, you know, anarchists don't believe in any governing authorities, um, you know, but they're going to have to struggle with this text. Like, you know, this text is clear. And, and I've seen people try and deal with this text, like, you know, uh, the Christian Liberty guys and, uh, you know, they have a whole section on basically the Bible and government and they try and deal with Romans 13 and it's not good. So I'm not going to deal with it right now because that's like a side note right now. This is like introductory, but I definitely do plan on like fully dealing with it. But, you know, this text is very clear that the government was created by God. It even says pay taxes, you know, because they're servants of God. So, you know, the government is legitimate, but, you know, the role we, we must think of the fact that it didn't say any Paul and obviously the Holy Spirit didn't say any more than this. You know, he didn't go into more detail. He just said that's the only main role is primarily just to, like to keep evildoers away from those who do good. As he says, um, for rulers are not, he says in verse three, for rulers are not a cause of fear for good behavior, but for evil. Right. So. If you think about it, these, these, you know, Adam Smith's definition, right, and the biblical definition right here, they sound the same. Like, you know, yeah, I mean, super minimalistic, like, all right, the government's just there to stop evildoers. You know, if you're good, you know, you don't got to worry, you know, like I, I've never had to worry personally about the government coming after me because I'm not going and doing evil things. I'm not, you know, picking fights and I'm not, you know, trying to steal from people, right? So I haven't really had to worry about it because I'm, you know, an innocent, good person. Um, and then the second half of this, oh, nothing to anyone except to love one another. And this is really cool because, you know, the more I look at it, the more I see Romans 13 as like the libertarians, but like the minarchist best friend, because, you know, the, Romans 13 pretty much summarizes our, our view of government. You know, it's like, and really just our view of like the public sphere. So the first half is essentially like the government's role or responsibility to us, which is kind of the social contract, right? So the social contract says, you know, you're going to protect us. And then we're going to basically be, you know, good citizens as good as we can be, you know, so we're going to try and work, cooperate together as part of social contract. So Romans 13 kind of brings out this social contract. It is obviously, it's not just social because it's biblically warranted. It's not just made up. Um, but yeah, the second part says, oh, nothing to anyone except to love. And it even says that love fulfills the, 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 second, the second half of the commandments. And uh, 
that's important because, you know, like we believe in minimal government, but it's not that we believe in no responsibility. Um, This is a misconception about libertarians because, because we believe that the government should be, you know, out of almost every area of life that's not dealing with evildoers, then we believe in, you know, people voluntarily serving one another through, whether it be through nonprofits or other individuals, just donate, you know, you could do group funding, you know, the church, whatever it might be, all these other means <coughs> that did serve their fellow man, you know, throughout all the 1800s, the Salvation Army was founded, stuff like that, um, were able to flourish and people were able to, you know, voluntarily give instead of be instead of money being forced away from them by taxation. Um, they were actually able to give out of the out of the love of their heart and they were freely able to cooperate and volunteer in ways that they saw fit and and, and, and how much they saw fit. So um I love that Jesus like flips the law on its head and basically says, stop focusing on Jesus and uh, Paul, you know, which obviously both of the Holy Spirit, but Jesus talks about this in another text. I don't have it on me right now, but basically Jesus says, you know, the law is fulfilled and, you know, you love God and love your neighbor. Right. And then Paul's rebringing and hashing that out right here. And, um, you know, he says, uh, Love does no wrong to a neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfillment of the law. So, if we have the love your neighbor mindset, right, then it's going to be very hard to do these things. Um, you know, if I love my neighbor, I'm not going to go sleep with his wife, right? I'm not going to commit adultery. Uh, if I love my neighbor, I'm not going to I'm not going to hate them, right? If you hate them, then you murder them, right? Jesus says if you murder, if you hate in your heart, then you murder. You're a murderer. Right. If I love you, obviously, I'm not going to hate you. And then um, you should not steal. Obviously, if I love you and, lo- and value your you and your stuff, I'm not going to try and steal from you. Right. And then obviously, you know, that goes into coveting, which coveting, in my opinion, is um, ties into all these things. Because if I covet your stuff or I covet your wife or I covet your life. Right. Then I'm going to do the other three. But. um Yeah, so that's one thing that's important is we both believe in the government stopping those who don't believe in, you know, cooperation, right? Like who don't believe in, uh, like basically believing in this commandment. Because that's the thing is it's not like I should love random people like in a romantic way or like like in a brotherly way, right? But just like a, like a, a goodwill love, you know, just like a act like I see people and I have goodwill towards them, you know, and I have a general love towards them because they're made in the image of God. And obviously they, you know, potentially could know Christ or they, you know, potentially might come to know Christ or whatever. They have inherent value because God and the gospel, even if they're not in Christ, they still have the potential to come to Christ. So they're still valuable. Right. So I wanted to bring in both as a parallel because a lot of people think of libertarianism as like this weird, wonky, like um, philosophical version of like the Democrats, you know, like, well, you believe in tolerance and 
you don't believe in like stopping drug people from doing drugs and like you know they just like get all bogged down and like you don't want to you know keep people from doing what they want to do like you're just you don't believe in intervening like you're just like you're just a, like a like a real liberal which technically we are we're, we're technically called like classical liberals but <clears throat> it's not that we don't believe in helping people right it's not that we don't believe in keeping people from doing what they want to do um you know we just think that coercion like putting a gun to somebody's head and saying do this stop doing this or else is not the means by which people are changed right um if and that's why we have a very clear distinctive of victimless crimes so if if somebody is murdered obviously there's a victim somebody has their stuff stolen there's obviously a victim but you know somebody partaking in drugs like that's their own you know there's no victim there like there's not somebody coming to them and like shoving drugs down their throat right so somebody like self-harming themselves is not a crime it's a moral but it's not a crime and and ultimately you know i told somebody this the other day i was like <clears throat> because we were arguing about it. He was um, in a Reformed Baptist group. And uh, I said, what do you think is the best means of dealing with a drug abuser? Like somebody who's like, has an addiction to drugs, like really bad, like meth or something like crazy, like something intense. I was like, do you think that we should throw him in a cage for years and then give him a criminal record Or do you think that we should get them in rehab? Which one do you think is more effective? Right? <clears throat> so, and that's a big part of it is which one is truly effective is one part of it. And two is like, is this truly a crime or is this just things that you don't like? Because <clears throat> I personally wish that no one ever did meth or heroin or cocaine, right? Like on a personal level, you know, I'm a conservative, like I'm against like hard drug use. Um, but I don't think that putting a gun to their head is going to fix their heart. I don't think that that's going to help them deal with the habit. So while it might be immoral, I don't think that the government coming and threatening them on our behalf, you know, is, is really effective. It isn't. I mean, people who have an addiction problem, they can just go sit in jail for a couple of years or whatever, a few months and get back out and go do it again. I mean, that's all it is. I mean, it's not true rehabilitation. You're not really helping them. You know, all you're doing is just putting them in like adult timeout. And then they're being exposed to a lot of evil people because that's another problem is the jails are a bunch of evil people and they're, you have to be part of gangs and, you know, people are going to be doing evil towards you in there, very lawless place. And then you might come out with affiliations that you're stuck with all because you were doing or had a drug on you, right? So, don't send people there that are not actual evildoers. Like if they're not like murdering people or like battering people or, you know, stealing, raping, like those are real evil people. <coughs> Doing a drug is not like, like an evildoer. Like you're not going out and like hurting people. So obviously if you are, that's different. So, um, but basically the guy I was talking to who said, you know, he was just fighting me. And I was like, okay, look, listen, we got the non-aggression principle, which that's one thing I wanted to bring up. But, you know, which, which is the non-aggression principle says that 
um, you know, we shouldn't act towards aggression towards one another, right? So anything that's in like an act of aggression, okay, that's a criminal act. So I was like, I explained it to him. And I said, is there anything in scripture that would tell you that what I just said was wrong? And, and you know, what are you going to say? There's not anything that has, I mean, this text is clear about that. It doesn't use the word non-aggression principle, but basically that's what it breaks down to, right? If you're somebody that's not aggressing towards another person, then don't worry, right? For the rulers are not a cause of fear for good behavior. If you're not aggressing towards somebody, don't worry, right? But then it's also the positive call to love one another. Like, the reason why <coughs> I'm not aggressing towards you, maybe you, like, did something to me that made me mad, the reason why <coughs> I'm not coming after you is because of, of, of the general goodwill and love, right? We're not, like, animals here to where we just do whatever instinctually impulsively comes to our mind because obviously we would be constantly fighting and like there would be chaos out there you know we have to have self-control and we have to say you know okay i'm going to give you the benefit of the doubt innocent to proven guilty right and we're gonna you know let somebody go like all right cool well, yeah you you just cussed me out okay well, that's you know that happens i mean i don't know what's going on with you right now but all right you know have a good day right and we just move on you know, act of goodwill, love, something obviously something going on in their life, instead of going in and beating the mess out of them. Um, so, this is the core of of everything, like I said earlier, that libertarianism is, and especially minarchism is. And, you know, we believe in the government, but we believe as minimal as possible. Uh, in this podcast, I'm not going to address <coughs> why the, the, the police or security have to be in the government's hands, <coughs> I am planning on writing a book on it, but it's going to be a part of a whole book on basically being anti-anarchist. <coughs> uh, but yeah, just for now, assume, at least logically, that, you know, these people are needed. Um, it is kind of a throwing a bone, because technically I could be kind of in, like, I could just be like, yeah, um, the Bible said so. Look right here, the evildoers, God put them in place. And that's 100% the ultimate authority, obviously, is, is the word of God. But I like to go into the economics of it. Um, you know, go into the uh, how it would even work potentially and how it would leave poor people vulnerable. But... I'll save that for another day. I don't want to get off on a side note, a sidebar, but basically getting into the economics of privatizing security would be tricky. So <coughs> little uh, pre-taste for you. But yeah, so a lot of people do not understand what libertarianism is. They don't know, you know, what it means to believe in a truly minimal government. You know, the Republicans touted like they believed in minimal government. And that's what they say on paper. But, you know, if you actually look at their policies and their, you know, their results, you know, they're spending a lot of money. I mean, you know, you don't get into over $20 trillion in debt if you're trying to limit, the, if you have that much power in the government, if you're trying to spend less. Clearly, they're spending a lot of money. They might be also be spending as much as the Democrats. But, I mean, even Rand Paul, which is a Republican, was saying the dirty little secret is, you know, in, in, the, in, the, in the White House. You know, they make a lot of deals, um, Congress between each other. The Republicans go to the Democrats and ask if they can get spending for the military 
and they make the deal to vote for them when they want spending for the welfare. So one wants to spend more money, you know, fighting off or fighting other causes that are illegitimate outside of our country. And then the other wants to, you know, whatever, feed <coughs> the people that are codependent on them in America. So, but both of them are stealing, right? So, and that's part of this conversation too, is taxation is legitimate, right? It does literally say, Render to all who, who what is due them, tax to whom taxes due, custom to whom custom is due, fear to whom fear, honor to whom honor, right? So for because of this, you pay taxes for rulers or servants of God, devoting themselves to this very thing. We do pay taxes, and it is legitimate to pay for their roles, right? And and their part in in maintaining you know protection from foreign and domestic threats, right? But outside of that. It's the it's it's theft, you know, and that's why um, minimal government people like libertarians in general, but in particular, obviously minarchists and anarchists, believe that taxation is theft. In the in the majority of it, the majority of taxation is theft, in the sense that money money is being stolen in an illegitimate way, in a way that's not warranted. It's being stolen against our will, and if anything, it's being printed. So it's not even being asked for. Sometimes a lot of it is not even being taxed. Like in the in the sense they're not taking it from us. They're just printing. They're just like moving the dollar, moving. You know, they're moving the numbers um, digitally at this point, and uh, they're just like doing whatever with it, whatever they think they want to do with it. You know, and ultimately that's theft, because that's not a legitimate use of the tax. So just because taxes are legitimate, that you see in the text it says. For the, because of this, you also pay taxes for rulers, our servants of God, devoting themselves to this very thing. So you have rulers, and you have the minimal amount of things that need to be done by those rulers, which is basically to have a military and to have you know a governing body, police force, you know the different things, infrastructure set up for dealing with evil doers. That's it. So anything outside of that is is ta- is theft. So that's the caveat for minarchist is. You know, we do believe that taxation is obviously logically necessary since we believe that there's a government um, and there's a need for a government and the government's legitimate, which needs to be minimal. Whereas, you know, anarchists, you know, totally don't believe in any taxation. They 100 percent think in all cases, taxation is theft. And in uh, the the book that I referenced earlier, uh, Called to Freedom, the guy that's talking about the Bible and government, he does have a whole section where he talks about kind of like his, like, logical trajectory towards, you know, questioning taxation, like saying, like, oh, I don't know, I just can't justify it at all. But obviously he goes off the scales because this text clearly says um, that taxation is legitimate. But um, when we're talking about scripture and we're talking about these things, there's not a lot of text on government in particular. You know, you have Jesus talking about Caesar, <coughs> pay, pay, you know, pay on the Caesar what is Caesar's. And you have, you know, Jesus, you know, sorry, uh, you have the book of Samuel, God being against rulers at that particular time because he knows that they're going to tax you and all that. But, you know, and there's another kind of parallel passage from Peter, but <clears throat> there's not a ton on it. So, and I think the point is, is like, there's not meant to be a ton. There's not meant to be, uh, the government's meant to do this, that, this, this, and that, and this, and that, because this is the, that's the point is like, there's. There doesn't need to be more than this. 
because there's not more of a role for the government. So this goes into a theological principle, and then I want to end with this. Um, there's a theological principle called the regulative principle. So the regulative principle essentially comes down to, and some people, there's different applications of this, but in its more general sense, the regulative principle says, we as Christians are only allowed to believe what's in the Bible. And we're only bound to the things of the Bible. So, you know, anything outside of that is a superseding of what we're called to. So we could maybe logically deduce that maybe that's wise to do something, but we're not bound to it. So the regulative principle says only what's in Scripture is the final authority for our, our lives as individuals, our, for the church, and in this case, for the government. That's, that's it. So, and that's where I'm able to say, Anything outside of the, these parameters of protecting us, you know, from evildoers, right? Which, you know, the evildoers, what does that look like is obviously more explained by Adam Smith here, right? He's consistent with Romans 13. Um, they're not allowed to go past that. And so anything that goes past that is basically breaking the biblical definition of government. And um, and therefore, they're breaking the the. The, the God's design for government. They're going past that, right? So it's meant to be minimal, mainly to stop evildoers, right? They bear the sword for a reason, to stop evildoers. And anything outside of that, whatever it might be, all the different rules, and even and part of this too is like different departments, like, you know, um, in my opinion, like the Parks and Rec, USPS, stuff like that. And it's actually in my book, Are You Free?, I actually deal with a lot of this, kind of talking about different departments and, you know, the privatization and, and stuff like that. <coughs> it should be free on Amazon right now. So um, it's a beginner's guide to liberty. But just that little plug right there. Um, I was just thinking about it because, yeah, I have a whole chapter on the USPS. And just alone, that chapter, being able to go and see what what's said about that and, and how terribly it's ran and how like negative in debt it is and how it's just like basically propped up by the government's will is a good example of like an illegitimate role of the government. But it gets more complicated because that kind of falls into the third one under the third option that we didn't talk about today. But the point is, is like, you know, more than, more than those departments is more the laws that are passed to intervene in people's lives um, so this is the very last point, just to clarify, Ron Paul, which is like a really famous libertarian, he was um, being interviewed by a guy from Valuetainment on YouTube, um, Pat David, and he was just asking him all kinds of questions. And he said, what do you think about Republicans or Democrats? You know, yada, yada, yada. He was trying to kind of peg him. And he said, <clears throat> I see Republicans and Democrats as like the same category of like governmental politics, right? He said that I see them under the umbrella of interventionist. So, you know, both parties believe that they should pass laws to control other people's personal lives, right? They're not talking about passing laws to stop somebody from murder because both of them agree on that, right? Like that's, that's foundational. That's like common law, Natural law, as, as he called it in the book, natural liberty, right? Like, this is just like, we all know, like, murder is wrong. Like, you don't need to, we're not having, like, and nobody's out there being like, nah, murder is cool. 
you know, but they're getting in and saying, no, nah, I think that we should be able to say, you know, whatever, don't, don't allow somebody to get, you know, do be with somebody who's the same sex or, you know, you do allow some, you know, make sure, you know, the laughter, like you have to affirm somebody being trained, like changing their gender, whatever. It's like, they're trying to control the way you think and the way you act. And so, you know, there's three areas, body, what you do with your body, what you do with your money and how you think, you know, they want, they all, they want to control these three, you know, in different ways. So they're, they don't have that right. I govern myself. I own myself. I don't need anyone to force me to believe or do or act in any other way. They can come to me and persuade me, right? In love, they can come to me and say, Hey, I think that you should consider this, right? Um, you know, whether the church shares the gospel or whatever it might be. It persuades me. The free market comes to me and says, I think he wants his product. Will you give me your money? Right? I don't need the government to come put a gun to my head and tell me what to do. I need people to come to me and make awesome products or package ideas really well and share them with me. And then I can be persuaded to believe them. Right? And that's the core of this is I, we don't need coercion. Right? The coercion is there for evildoers. We don't need to use coercion on those who are good. Romans 3 says, For rulers are not a cause of fear for good behavior. But today they are. You're not doing anything wrong. Not in the not in there. You're not doing any sort of like victim crime. But yet you're threatened by the government because of this interventionism, as Ron Paul calls it. They want to intervene people's lives. So that's all I wanted to say for today. Um, this is a really if you are already a libertarian. This is a really good podcast to bring somebody in to like the core essentials, like the very core of libertarianism, a very basic conversation, you know, definitional conversation. But also, if you're new to libertarianism or you've never heard of it or you're trying to consider these things, especially with the past year with the government coming in and trying to tell you how to live your life, trying to tell you you have to wear a mask and trying to tell you, you know, you have to, you know, be locked down in your house and all that. They very, very interventionist, you know, super interventionist this past year. So you're trying to figure out Romans 13, what do we do? So if maybe you're new to this, new to politics in general, or considering the value of freedom, the Libertarian Party is the most, truly most free party. Like we believe in the least amount of intervention as possible. Um, literally we fight whether there should be a government or not. That's like how extreme we are about like personal freedom. So yeah, if you've never heard this, if you've never heard about libertarianism or you're relatively new to it, this is a really good one to re-listen to to share with your friends, like, hey, this guy, uh, you know, he's breaking down some stuff, he's ready Romans 13, he's giving some definitions about the government and its role and what it can and can't do. I thought that this would be good for us to listen to, and then maybe we could talk about it. And so, you know, that's what I want this to be, is I want this to be a help. I want this to be something that people can listen to and kind of start to wrap their head around it. Um, you know, because ultimately, the only way that the world changes is that people think differently. So this is my, this is me living out the idea of being persuasive, right? I'm not coming to you with a gun, but I'm trying to persuade you of another idea. So, all right, I'll see you guys in the next one.